Amen. Let get seated. We are going to have Holy Communion once I finish the preaching. So let's go into God's Word. And then after that, we will go into Holy Communion. One more time, Happy New Year. Amen. It's great to see you in the year 2022. As I said on Friday, there's never been a year like this before. I know the sun rose this morning. I know there are clouds like it rose in 2021. And everything looks like exactly the same. But I want you to know things are not exactly the same. Amen. This is a totally different year. Hallelujah. So we praise God for the year 2022. For us, it is the year of taking over. Amen. And we believe and trust God that in this year, we are indeed going to take over. If we hearken and listen to the voice of the Lord and take heed and obey and follow his instructions and follow his commands, the Lord is going to do what he has promised to do in our lives in the year 2022. Amen. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 21, verse 43 to 45. Joshua, chapter 21, verse 43 to 45. And today I'll be talking about taking over part one. Hallelujah. Taking over part one. If you found Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 to 45, I want you to say amen. I want us to read together. And uh, then later on, I will read it again in the Amplified Vision of the Bible. But in joining you in uh, reading it now, I will read from the New King James Version. But uh, the scripture that we are focusing on is actually from the Amplified Version of the Bible. So I'll go to the Amplified Version of the Bible to read from there again, and then we will move on. Hallelujah. So let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 21. I'm just opening the New King James Version. And we are going to read verse 43. So let's read it together. In, the, in my Bible, there's a, a, a headline which says, The Promise Fulfilled. Hallelujah. I don't know what it is in yours, but at least in the New King James Version, it says, The Promise Fulfilled. So let's go to verse 43, Joshua 21. One, two, three, go. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Amen. In the Amplified Version, it says, 
Saul the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers and sisters, and they took possession of it and lived in it. The Lord gave them rest from conflict on every side in accordance with everything that he had sworn to their fathers, and not one of all their enemies stood before them in battle. The Lord handed over all their enemies to them, not one of the good promises which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel failed or had come to pass. Amen. Now, when you read that scripture, you may begin to think that it is easy because the Lord gave them the land and after giving them the land, you would imagine and think that there was no work to be done. But in the book of Mark chapter 11, 24, the Bible says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Amen? There is receiving and there is having. Receiving and having are two different things. Amen? So these two things are things we should not confuse. You can receive something, but having it is something totally different. The text we have read this morning is a summary statement of testimony telling us something about the character of God, telling us that God is trustworthy, God is dependable, God is reliable, and that God does what he says he will do. When he makes a promise, this God keeps his word. Hallelujah. So I want us to take note of those things that I've said. Number one, God is trustworthy. God is dependable. God is reliable. He does what he says he will do. And when he makes a promise, he keeps his word. I thought you would say amen. Hallelujah. Let's give a bit of a background to all this that we are looking at. I want us to assume that this scripture that we are reading is being fulfilled in 2022. Especially because this scripture is going to be our main focus for the year 2022. So in 2022, the Lord is declaring it is your year of taking over. Hallelujah. So I want you to assume that now you are the children of Israel. You have left Egypt. You have moved into the land. And the land you are stepping on right now is the land that God took and off 
the land that God promised your ancestors. So the promise did not come to you, but the promise came to those who were before you. But your ancestors or your fathers that God spoke this word to, he spoke to them between 600 and 800 years ago. So, if it is being fulfilled in 2022, very likely God spoke this word in the year 1222 or the year 1422. Somewhere in there between 1222 and 1422, the Lord spoke this word to your ancestors. So, let me ask you, what is the name of your great, 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 great grandfather who was alive in 1222? Hallelujah. Can you tell me the name? Because your father must have come from somewhere. Hallelujah. Because I believe your grandfather must have come from somewhere. Hallelujah. So I'm asking you, go ask your father today, go ask your mother today, and say, so who was there in 1222? Because pastor is telling us that there is very likely a word that God spoke to them in 1222 or 1422 that there is a word that was going to come to pass and that word has come to pass today in my lifetime. Because that's exactly what God did. God, 600, between 600 and 800 years before this time, God made a promise to a man and the man was called Abraham. Hallelujah. And he did not only make a promise, but he took an oath. He, made, he swore, he, he, he he sworn, and he actually swore and said, you know what, Abraham, I'm going to do this. And he created a covenant and made a promise to Abraham. And the promise that he made to Abraham was a promise of land. Somebody say land. Hallelujah. He made a promise of land and then he swore an oath. And we find that promise in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 7. And I'm going to read all these so that they make a lot of sense to us. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 7. And I want you to understand that what I am reading right now, it is between 600 and 800 years before it has to be fulfilled. Are we together? I want you to be saying amen or yes. Because I need to understand that you understand what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Even if only for today you say, Pastor, we understand what you're saying. It's fine for me. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying to you, what we are reading right now, the scriptures we are going to read are happening in a period between 600 and 800 years before they are now fulfilled. So let's go to chapter 12 of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, 
get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Hallelujah. That land is the one that we are now finding in Joshua chapter 21. In that land, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you in that land. And I will make your name great in that land. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lord went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lord, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, which is called Nablus today. As far as the terebinth tree of Mori, and the Canaanites were then in the land. So the land was not, it wasn't that, that the land was not occupied. The land was occupied. There were people living in that land. Hallelujah. And he takes him from beyond Mesopotamia, beyond Iraq, and he walks with him all the way, brings him into the land, a land called Canaan, and in that land, there are people living in that land. And he comes there and he says, this is the land. I have given it to you and not only to you, but to your descendants that are going to come after you. In verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Are we together? Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Now, this is the only time in scripture that you're going to find the word, the word of the Lord came to somebody in a vision. Most of the time, it's, it's only, uh, it, 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 it comes like, uh, and, 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 and the word came, and the word, and the word, but it says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And we understand from John that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and that word was God. So that now in chapter 15, we are taught after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I want you to understand, be very good students of history. This is happening between 600 and 800 years before the fulfillment of what we are looking at in Joshua chapter 21. Hallelujah. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me since I go, seeing I go childless, 
and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of your of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, No, certainly, that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down. And it was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the, those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Kadomonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gigashites, and the Jebusites. So God says, this is the land. We'll come back to all this. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, he's appearing to him too much. This appearing is plenty. You appear in chapter 12. You appear in 15. You appear again in 17. Why are you appearing? Hallelujah. So the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And, and I want you to understand, when is this happening? Between 600 and 800 years before the land is given. 
Hallelujah. So he's saying, walk before me and be blameless. And these things I want you to take note. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations just exactly he said in Genesis chapter 12. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. And I want you to understand that word everlasting. What does the word everlasting mean? Your answer. What does everlasting mean? Sorry? It never ends. Never ending. I'm making this, even though I'm making it, 600, 800 years before they move into the land. But this covenant is an everlasting covenant. It is a never-ending covenant. It will remain as long as I am God. The day this covenant will come to an end, then at that point, I will cease to be God. I will no longer be God. Hallelujah. I will cease to be God. You can call me whatever name you want to call me at that point. But as long as I am God, as long as I live, this covenant is an everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger or the land of Canaan. As an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Let me stop there. So, all these promises that God is making to Abraham, I want you to understand one thing nobody is forcing God to make these promises. Nobody is forcing God. Nobody has gotten a gun and said, God, now make a covenant. God now make a promise. Nobody is forcing him to do this. He is doing them because he is God. Hallelujah. So God takes Abraham from Haran. And truly, truly, he brings him into the land. And Abraham sees the land. Now, I want to say this because what we're going to look at in this month of January is very, very profound. And I want you to understand. The land which Israel occupies today is far, far, far much less than the land that God gave to Abraham. Hallelujah. The, the, the boundaries are given to us very clearly. From the borders of Egypt... All the way down to where the river Euphrates is. Now the river Euphrates today is in Iraq. 
That means all of, all the parts of Iraq, all the parts of Jordan, all the parts of Syria, all the parts of, of to the border with Egypt, wherever there is Gaza today, wherever there is the West Bank, which people confuse. Actually, the word the West Bank is the West Bank of the River Jordan. That's a full name. The West Bank of the River Jordan. And sometimes you can begin to think somebody is occupying somebody's land. Nobody is occupying anybody's land because this land was God's. And God, without anybody forcing him, decided to give it to a man. Hallelujah. If, if, I, if I decide today and say, Lighton, I'm giving you, you have to give it back to me. I'm giving you this jacket. Has anybody forced me to give him the jacket? No, I have decided. Should I give you the jacket? You don't want it. You don't want it. You don't? Eh? You like it? Then come and collect it with this trouser. Amen? I've decided to give it to you. And nobody has forced me to give it to you. It's my, whether these people like it or not, I have given it to you. It's just that I can't take off this trouser. There's going to be a hala in this place. But I've given it to you. Hallelujah. Are you angry that I've given it to him? Are you jealous that I've given it to him? Is it your problem? It's my own choice. I've given it to him. He will wear it next Sunday and I'll not go back and say I'm taking it back. I have given it to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I like it, but I've given it to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's exactly what God did. He says, I've given it to you. It's yours. Hallelujah. And, and then he says, but this land, even though it is full of the Canaanites, would someday be yours and be of your descendants forever. This covenant, I am passing it on to you and to generations upon generations that are going to come. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, And Abraham believed God's promise. And because he believed God's promise, God counted that belief. God counted that trust to Abraham. And he said, this kind of belief, this kind of trust, I am calling it from today righteousness. Hallelujah. God is saying, Abraham, I don't want you to think that because I'm giving you this land, it will only end with you. This land will belong to you. This land will belong to your descendants. And he says to him, your descendants, the ones that are going to come after you, even though I have given you the land, the land didn't go anywhere when God says, I've given you the land. The land was still there. But then he adds something. He says, when I have given you the land, what's going to happen is that for 400 years, for 400 years, your descendants will go to another land. But this land will still be here. Hallelujah. But even though they go to another land, the land will be here waiting for them. Hallelujah. And one day, they will return to this land and then I'll give it to them as the land I promised you, Abraham. But something needs to happen 
before they come back and occupy this land permanently. And he says, the iniquity of the Amorites, the iniquity of the Canaanites have to come to its fullness. Hallelujah. It has to, the, the Amorites and the Canaanites, they need to reach the pitch of wickedness. The return to the land will coincide with my judgment on the Amorites and Canaanites and everyone else. And I started asking myself, so the fullness of the iniquity, how was it going to look like? In order for him to finally say, now the iniquity is high pitch, the wickedness is high pitch, and everything else is high pitch, and therefore now, aha, the time has come. And God says the period of time for that is going to be in these 400 years. Hallelujah. So let's look at Leviticus chapter 18. I'm laying the foundation. Hallelujah. And I hope you understand what I'm trying to share. Including giving my jacket away. I didn't plan it. I didn't plan it. It just happened. Leviticus chapter 18. And I want you to listen. To listen very, very clearly of what I'm going to say now. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, I want you to understand that Moses was actually the fourth generation after Levi. There was Levi, there was Kohath, there was Amram, and there was Moses. Caleb was again the fourth generation after Judah. If you take it in that regard. But also at the very same time, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the children of Israel. Hallelujah. And in those days, people were living about 100 years old. Joseph died when he was about, he was 110 years. Genesis 50 verse 26. Joshua died when he was again 110 years. In Joshua chapter 24. Hallelujah. So, he says it needs to be fulfilled. So, let's go to Genesis, to Leviticus chapter 18. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Does your Bible say the same? So this land where I brought you, you have lived for 400 years. According to the doings of this land, you shall not do. And according to the land where I am taking you to right now, you shall also not what? Do. Hallelujah. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes 
and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So now he begins to say some things and you find this very, very interesting as, you, as we carry on. I just want you to listen. Number one, none of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover. For theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife, uh, your father's wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She, she is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is near of kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not cover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. That means you shall not have chokolo. You understand? Your brother has died and he has left a wife. You shall not. Hallelujah. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. No, shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. You will not marry a mother and a daughter at the same time and both of them be your wives. You will not. Are we together? No, shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister to uncover her nakedness while the other is alive. So he says, you will not take two sisters and marry them and be saying, this one is my wife and this one is my wife also. You will not do that. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is, un as long as she is in her customary impurity. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defy yourself with her. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. You will not practice homosexuality. You will not practice lesbianism. Hallelujah. When we speak these things, it looks like we are homophobic. No, we are, we, we are speaking what God said. You shall not. You will not allow a man to marry a man. You will not allow a woman to marry a woman. You will not. Hallelujah. Can we carry on? He says it is an abomination. 
Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourself with any of these things. For by all these, the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. What God is saying, all these things I am telling you, it is being practiced in Canaan right now. And that's why I am chasing them out. If you don't agree, speak now. Amen? For the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. And the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations... The men of the land have done who were before you and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore, you shall keep my ordinance so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. So, so now we begin to understand that the fullness of iniquity on the land comprised some of these things that we have read right now. Hallelujah. People were sleeping with animals. Men were sleeping with men. Women were sleeping with women. And, and people were marrying their own sisters. There, there, there was all these things happening in the land. And God says, no, 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 no. Now this is what we call the pitch of wickedness. And he commanded the land that God himself had made. He said, now let the land vomit you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can now begin to understand why God said, destroy all of them. Hallelujah. We'll come back to that later on. But he said, destroy all of them. You, you, you will go back to those scriptures next week. And then says, God says, I will judge the Canaanites. And the Bible tells us he kept his promise. So after now, but when he says, the land has vomited them. Where, are the, where were the Canaanites living? When he says the land has vomited them, where were they living? In the same land. Where are the Amorites living? In the same land. Where are the Jebusites living? In the same land. Where are the Gugashites living? In the same land. Where are the Canaanites living? In the same land. The Hittites were in the same land. The Hivites were in the same land. And God says, I have vomited them. But they are there. Hallelujah. That means you need to have a totally different set of eyes to see how God sees. Amen. Now, it was this promise of land to Abraham, to the fathers, that now becomes the focus of the passage in Joshua chapter 21. And the Bible records that that promise 
was fulfilled. That promise was kept in keeping with the oath. The Bible says to us, the Lord gave Israel all the land that he had sworn to give to their fathers. I want to say this to us. God's promises are not left open-ended. They are always fulfilled. Hallelujah. He keeps his word. And this God will keep his word in your life also. Not only in your life, but the descendants that will come after you if you obey and keep the commandments of the Lord. The land was a gracious and end gift given freely. Nothing forced God to give the land. And nothing about Israel required God to give them the land. Nothing about them. It was God's to give to whomever he saw fit. It was God's. He decided, I'm going to give this land to a man called Abraham. In the very same way that a lot of you have seen visions about what you believe God wants you to do, whether it's setting up a business, whether, whether it's a farming, whether it's something else, a lot of you, you can speak to me, there are some things that God has put upon your heart which you believe they will come to pass. Those things that God showed you, nobody forced them to show you. He was just gracious to you. He was just gracious to you. Why do you think God could show you that and not show me? And not show somebody else? Why would God say, I'll make you rich? Why would God say, look here, I want you to start this business. And you keep at it, you keep at it, you keep at it. What I promise will surely come to pass. And then when he's saying that there is corona. And there is bribery. There is everything else that is happening in the land. And God says, keep my ordinances Keep my commandments. Just keep at it what I've said. Keep at it. I have given to you. I've given it to you freely. It's an end. Nobody has forced me. And there's nothing about you. When, you, when we look at ourselves, actually at the end of the day, there's absolutely nothing about us that makes us to deserve what God has given us. Hallelujah. In Psalm 24, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. Where are the Canaanites living? In the land that God has created. The earth belongs to God. And the Lord and the Lord alone is he who created it. The Lord owns all the world. The whole world belongs to him. Both the intangible and tangible, they belong to him. This world as you look at it now, this earth as you look at it now, God planned it, God designed it, and this earth is his masterpiece. It belongs to him. If you are writing down, I just want to give you scriptures and not read all of them. But I want to give you 29 scriptures that say this earth is his. They are not the only ones, they are more than that. But, number one, you go home and read it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 31. 1 Samuel 2, verse 8. Psalm 136, verse 6 to 9. Job chapter 26, verse 7. 
Amos chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 48, verse 13. Isaiah 45, verse 12. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Psalm 89, verse 11. Isaiah 65, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Psalm 104, verse 5. And the same, actually Psalm 104, verse 1 to 35. Read the whole of it. Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 23 to 31. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16 to 17. Acts chapter 1. Verse 9 to 11. John chapter 1. Verse 3. Exodus chapter 9. Verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. Psalm 23. Psalm 19, verse 1. Job chapter 41, verse 11. Psalm 25, verse 13. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Genesis 1, verse 1 to 31, I already said it. Psalm 50, verse 10 to 12. Psalm 24. Exodus 19. Verse 5, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hallelujah. You read those scriptures. I want you to take time. Read each one of them. You will discover that there is absolutely nothing you own which is yours. Even though you say Rama Zanga is a season. Zofala Zanga is a season. There is absolutely nothing which is yours. It is his. In Psalm 50 it says, I own cattle on a thousand hills. If I was hungry, do you think I would be asking you for food? And all these scriptures say, the earth is the Lord. Everything, everything, everything. On this planet earth is God's. Everything. Hallelujah. So the land was an inheritance. And an inheritance is something you pass on from one generation to another generation. There are some things you own today that even after you have died, you know what? It will be passed on to your children. That's why there is a thing called the will. The will basically transfers what I own to the next person. Hallelujah. So just as the promises were passed down, and finally fulfilled, 
The fulfillment of the promises was to be passed down as well. What we can say is that both the promises and the fulfillment of the promises were an inheritance. Hallelujah. So in Joshua 21, 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, their ancestors. And they took possession of it and lived in it and settled there. There are two critical things that I want us to look at in verse 43. Today we'll only look at one. Next week we'll look at number two. But the two things that are there, number one is time. And number two is responsibility. Hallelujah. There is time and there is what? Responsibility. Time. Let's look at time. The fulfillment of the promise of God to the fathers was not realized by the fathers. Hallelujah. Abraham came, lived in this land. At some point he went to Egypt and then he came back. And then he died. And he's, he's buried today in, uh, in Hebron. He's there. Isaac is buried there. Abraham is buried there. Jacob is buried there. At a place called the Machpelah in Hebron. So they are there. They are buried there. Joshua is buried in the land of Israel. Joseph is buried in Nablus. Which was Shechem. So they were all buried there. And even Joseph said, when you're speaking to the children of Israel, he says, there's a time God will visit you. And when you are leaving Egypt, you need to take one thing with you and you need to take my bones. My bones have to be buried in the land that God promised. Are we together? So they're all there. It was not realized by the fathers, but the generations that came later, it was realized. Two things happened. The fathers received the promise and the children realized the promise of God in their time. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is this. There are some things that God will speak to you today. You receive them, but the fulfillment of those things will happen in your children's lifetime. It's not everything that God speaks to you that will come to pass in your time. Some things will come to pass in your time, but there are some things that God, according to his sovereignty, they will only come to pass in the lifetime of your children. Say amen. Now, because I'm saying that, you don't want to say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All that Abraham had to do was to trust that what God was promising to give him, generations later, it will come to pass. 600, 800 years later, after the promises were made, the Bible tells us that the promises were fulfilled to the children of Israel. The kind of time, this kind of time, requires the things that God has, has promised you. The things that God has, has declared to you. They require the same kind of trust. They require the same kind of belief in God that it has to be counted to you for righteousness. It has to be counted to you as 
righteousness. You need to have that kind of trust. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Genesis 15:6, and the scripture says, Abraham believed God and he counted it to him as righteousness. It requires hundreds of years of trust. Hundreds of years of trust. To the extent that when every circumstances, when everything about their circumstances of for hundreds of years told them there was no reason to trust God, they had to trust God. And we live in such a time whereby everything around us tells us there is no reason to trust God, but we have to trust God. Hallelujah. We have to trust God, not only for us, but even for our children's children. Amen. I read a story recently of a man in Kenya, around Kisumu area. The man left, and when he was leaving, he left two wives. And then he said, I'm going to look for work. I'll be back. And he was gone for about 43, if not 47 years. In the process of time, he went to Tanzania, married another woman there, and the woman couldn't go back with him to Kenya. He stayed in Nairobi for some time. After 43, 47 years, he went back. And he was very disappointed to find that his wife had been married. He was very disappointed. But I told them I'll be back. I told them I'll be back. Haven't I come back? And nobody, a lot of the people in the village could not remember him. His land was gone. His wives were gone. And they had children. And they had grandchildren. And, and they, could, they could not remember him. God being kind to him, only his sister was still around. So they gave him a small house somewhere to pitch in and stay there. Should we say the women did not have trust? If it was you, what are you going to do? Yami Chisomo says, I am going. I'll be back. Ten years passed, he's not coming yet. Twenty. Thirty. Forty. Will you wait? Answer. Chisomo, will you wait? <laughs> Pastor Sung, will you wait or not? 47 years. And Omi, will you wait? You know what Jesus said? I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And you tell me you are waiting for Jesus. Yami, who is there? You say, I will not wait. Amen. It requires hundreds of years of trust. This kind of trust requires hundreds of years of patience. Amen. 
a wait upon kind a wait upon the Lord kind of persons. They that wait upon the Lord. That kind of persons. And never doubt the Lord even when you have every human reason to doubt God. But you say, I am waiting upon the Lord. Through every trial, through every tribulation, through every temptation, you say, I am waiting upon the Lord. No, not a hang around and do nothing kind of persons. Because some of us, we are just hanging around waiting for the Lord to come and we are doing nothing in the kingdom of God. Praying, we don't want to pray. Giving, we don't want to give. Anything in church, we don't want to do. And they say, you say, I'm waiting. Let the Lord just delay that husband for 15 years. Today you are 30. 31, no husband. Will you wait? 40, no husband. Will you wait? No wife. 45. What about 50? Will you wait? By the time you are 50, all who were your contemporaries in college, they have grandchildren. And they say, what is happening? He say, I'm waiting. What are you waiting for? Can't you see all these men? Can't you see all these women? Can't you see all this? What, what are you waiting for? He say, I'm waiting. But can't you see you're growing old? Say, I'm waiting. 60 years old, you're still waiting. Amen? That kind of trust, not giving up on hope kind of patience. Hallelujah. And it's amazing that whilst all this was going on, God never let off his demand upon them. And the demand was, you have to be different from all the peoples of the earth. Be different. Amen? Be different from the pagan world around you. Be different. They were to trust God long enough to be holy and to do right. Hallelujah. They were to trust God long enough to do justice and have mercy. They were to trust God long enough that even when it came to enter the promised land, they were to trust God long enough to fight even when it appeared the odds were against them. That kind of trust requires obedience. Amen? The reason Israel received the promised land was ultimately because of God's faithfulness. The reason you will take over this year is purely on the basis of God's faithfulness. The reason things will happen in your life this year. I don't, I don't want to look at you and think you will not make mistakes. You will make mistakes this year. You will do things that will make you not deserving anything from God. But you know what God will do? He will still do what he has promised to do in your life because he is a faithful God, because he's a trustworthy God, because he's a dependable God, because he's a reliable God, because he keeps his word. Because if God does not keep his word in your life, then he ceases to be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The other reason why God did all this, it was because of the faith of their fathers. It was because of the faith of Abraham. It was because of the faith of Isaac. It was because of the faith of Jacob. To the extent that we can say, all of Israel's past, all of Israel's present, and all of Israel's future is united across all generations as one family by one thing and one thing alone, and that thing is called faith. But as I said to you, I'll show you next week, the land that Israel occupies today is not all the land that God gave them. They are only occupying some of the land, part of the land. In this year, you may occupy some of the things that God has said he will come. I want you to understand one thing. The things that God, God is able, is willing to do in your life. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God is about, will do in your life. You haven't seen anything. There was a day I told you, close your eyes. I want you to imagine anything that you think God can do. And I said, that thing which you are seeing, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you can think or imagine. Hallelujah. So, God brought his, this promise to fulfillment. And he did it through faith. He gave Israel the land. It was something real. It was something they could touch. It was something they could build on. It was something they could stand in. Exactly the way you are. You can walk out there and touch the soil and say, my land. How many of you have bought a plot of land before? It belonged to somebody before. You, uh, you have bought a plot of land. Hands up. There was a time I told you, buy land. I want to see how many obeyed what I said. You bought land. When you walk to the land... Were you standing on land or you were standing on water? <laughs> huh? Were you standing on land or on water? Were you touching water or you were touching soil? Was it real or unreal? So that's exactly what has happened to the children of Israel. The land was real. Hallelujah. They could touch the soil. They could stand on the land. They could build on the land. As Israel stood on the land, they were standing on more than land. Amen? Amen. Number one, they were standing on the promises of God. It wasn't just land. They were standing on the promises of God, fulfilling what God has spoken to Abraham 600, 800 years before. There's a song which he says, standing on the promises of God. And he says, standing, standing, standing upon the Lord. What? Christ my Savior. I think we should start singing hymns. Standing on the promises of God. So here's a question and I'm going to end here. What legacy are we living in terms of faith? However much or however little you have, 
to live for your children as an inheritance one day. I pray that above all, they will know that they are mama, they will know that they are papa, they know that they are dad, they will know that they are mommy, believed God enough to live by faith. So that they may know that they can have faith in God too. I want to say two things and then I'll close. I personally fear. I fear for the generation that will come after us. I fear for the generation that will come after my children. I fear. It's a fear I have. It's a true fear. Why do I fear? Maybe it's only me. But it just looks like my children, they really don't seem to have interest in God the way I have interest in God. I'm not judging them. But, but sometimes I sit and I say, when I was 18, I was crazy with God. When I look at my children today, not comparing myself with them, because those who compare themselves among themselves with themselves, they are not wise. But when, when I look at the way I had caught God at the age of 18, and the craziness I had with Jehovah at the age of 19, I don't see that fire in my children. Now I say if, if the fire in them is not exceeding beyond the fire I had, what are they going to pass on to their children? Are they going to pass on ashes or they'll pass on the fire? So I fear for their children. If there is one desire I have, is that my children will walk with God and they'll be blameless before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah? Amen. Because sometimes I actually think that generation will bring in apostasy. Sometimes I try to think, my kids come home, my children, my, my grandchildren come home, which is not going to be very far from now. Not long from now, you will see me grandpa. Not long from now. <laughs> Hallelujah. In 10 years time, by the time I'm 60, I'll be granddad. By force, by fire. Campanare. <laughs> Amen. Amanda will be 28. I trust God something will happen by then. <laughs> and so that will be 31. Elsa, you were saying Elsa, Elsa, you'll be 31. Something will happen. The Lord has to make me see my grandkids. But the fear I have is this. They meet Amanda and Amanda says, have faith in God. 
they come to grandpa and grandma and grandma and saying, have faith in God. I'm very sure they'll begin to say, have we missed out anything on earth by being born in a Christian family? Is this all there is to life? The answer is yes. This is all there is to life. There is nothing but faith. Faith in God. Hallelujah. God does have a purpose in this life for each one of us. Pastor Sunga, God has a purpose for you. Auntie Naomi, God has a purpose for you. Promise, Cindy, Faith, Brother Duncan, Aunt Tandy, all of you, I could mention you by name. God has a purpose for you in this life. But within that purpose, God is passing on promises through you to future generations through faith. What kind, what legacy are you living in terms of faith? One of those promises that God brought to pass is in the book of Luke. And I want us to turn to the book of Luke. And this thing we don't do because it's tradition. This thing we do because God is saying, look at me. I keep my promises. I will not go back on my promises. I will fulfill what I said I will fulfill. And I pray that today, as we partake of the Holy Communion, you partake of the Holy Communion with a different understanding. I'll continue next week. God has a purpose for your life. But within that purpose that God has for your life, there's something very critical that he wants you to pass on. It's promises that he has made to you, but it's passed on through faith. So one of the things that God has given us is in Luke chapter 22 verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, we fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The way the land was fulfilled, this thing also we are going to do right now. One day, one day, one day, one day, it will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves as we are going to do today. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. One day we will see Jesus face to face drinking one more time of the fruit of the vine. Hallelujah. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Hallelujah. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And through the Son of Man goes as it had been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves, which of them it was who would do this thing. My prayer is very simple. Ten years from now, we should not be saying you walked away from God. Let's pray for the Holy Communion. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, 
as you have declared that this year is the year of taking over. God, we declare, as we declared on New Year's Eve, we are indeed taking over. As we declared yesterday morning, we are taking over. But our taking over, God, is based on what you declared in your word. You said, walk before me, be blameless. You will keep your promises in this year. And as you had promised Christ, and he came, and he died, and he rose again from the dead, and he seated at the right hand of God Almighty, one day he will come, for he is going to prepare a place for us. Lord, help us to wait and wait upon you. Grant us, O God, the kind of patience which is hundreds of years of patience. Waiting upon the Lord kind of patience. Waiting upon the Lord kind of trust. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray Lord bless the Holy Communion. As we partake of the Holy Communion right now. Speak to us. We declare that there is power in the blood. In Revelation 12, 11, the Bible declares, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Help us, O oh God, to live for you in 2022. In the name of Jesus. Help us to live for Christ. For the enemy is already overcome. Is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let me have the deacons in front. <laughs>